Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the 4040 Vision podcast, the ultimate sports history pod where hindsight is 4040. Before we get started, let's pay some bills and hear from our presenting sponsors. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision podcast. I am your host, Colette Abdallah, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Blaze Nealon, the cycling advisor and host of the Bourbon Bikes and Business podcast. How's everything going today, Blaze? Great. Good afternoon, Colette. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so today's topic is about all things cycling, about Bla- Blaze's uh, cycling adventures, his uh, 20-year-long journey into uh, this sport. We're going to talk about you know, how folks can get into this sport if they wanted to. And of course, uh, Blaze is going to tell us a lot of great stories about his uh, cycling adventures. First, before we get started, I have to say you have an incredible name for someone <laughs> that, that races, uh, you know. Is that on purpose? Did, uh, uh, no, it's just, just <laughs> it's actually a saint's name, blessing of the throats of a Catholic. February third is Saint Blaze's Day. That's where I got the wow, name. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's just uh, it's it's fate that yep. uh, your blaze is blazing past the competition. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so let let's talk about it. How did you first get into cycling, and when when did you get into cycling? Wow, that's an easy one. You know, I'm a little bit yeah. older, and I started late, so. I got divorced about 20 years ago and I needed something for therapy, you know, going through that life-changing event. So I went out and I bought two LL Bean hybrid bikes. I think they were like 300 bucks each. So you say, why did I buy two? Well, one for me. And I figured if I met somebody, maybe they could ride with me, right? Well, I hardly ever used Smart the second one. ahead, yeah. I, I used the second <laughs> one once with my rebound relationship and that was about it. It sat in the garage for years. But, uh, so that's how I got into it. I started, you know, one mile and I went two miles and I went three miles and four miles. So uh, tip number one, start slow. Don't go out and kill yourself trying to do 10 miles or 20 miles if you've never ridden before. But that's why I got into it. And, uh, you know, it was meditation. I'm also a fly fisherman. It's like, I, I guess, tell the story. When I step onto a stream to go fishing, mm-hmm. my world shuts off. I just forget about everything. And when I hop on a bike and start riding, same thing. Whatever was going on in my life in that day just takes me right out there. It's gone, wiped out. So, so kind of the, the solitude aspect of it? Yeah, part of it as well? it's like my meditation, my spirituality, my church. You know, it's just like, you know, it just clears the mind for anybody mm-hmm. that, you know, and we all need that these days with the craziness going on in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs their, their outlets. Um, and hopefully, well, in your case, it's definitely a healthy outlet. So, yeah. Did you, did you try anything else or was it just, you know, I need something? And did you ever cycle before? Did I you do did spin classes probably as or a what? Kid, like, okay. I was, no, actually, it was this big gap. I probably cycled up until I left for college when I was young. Then I didn't ride a bike for yeah, almost 20 years, 15, 20 years. And then I just, I, I need to do something. I want to get in shape. I want to have a good head, keep my mind. So it helped a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I started, started with a hybrid and about, I met someone, they said, why don't you try a road bike? I'm like, I was riding mostly in the woods on trails. I'm like, okay. I got on the road bike. I like, oh, this goes fast. This is great. I got to get a road bike. So then I got a road bike and I rode on the roads for years and years. And then in recent years, probably in 018, I went back because I, I live real close to the CNO Canal. I'm actually in the mid-Atlantic states, about halfway between Baltimore and Washington, D.C. So I have the CNO Canal, which is a famous um, 
trail that goes from Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, DC to Pittsburgh. And uh, so I ride that. It's five miles from the house. So that's typically where you find me most days on the Sino Canal. So in okay. the last couple of years, I do more gravel, bike packing, and I travel around the country. I always have just uh, going to different events and things. So yeah, I definitely want to want to hear more about that. So yeah. if you could, you know, if you could talk to yourself, you know, back then or someone else that wants to get into cycling at a, you know, a decent level, what's required? What What's the first, I don't know, three or four things that they would need to buy? And what kind of investment does it take to, to do this, you know, pretty regularly? I get asked this question quite a lot from a lot of people that I know, or like I said, just want to get into it. And the first bit of advice, most important, I'd say, go to your local bike shop and say, hey, I want to get into biking. They'll ask you several questions. Well, what kind of biking you want to do? I don't know. I, I probably ride here or there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so talk to a bike shop owner. They're going to sit you on a couple different kinds of bikes, depending on what you tell them you want to do. And nowadays, I recommend getting a hybrid. And well, what's a hybrid? It's a cross between you can ride on the roads, you can ride it on a gravel, you can ride it on a trail. You know, there's so many options with bikes these days. Um, and I'll talk about it at the end. I've got some tips on how to find a good bike and where to look yeah, for these for things. Sure. Um, but go to a bike shop, ride a couple bikes, listen to them. Maybe go to a couple different bike shops, try a couple brands. Investment wise, like I said, when I got into it, I think I spent two, three hundred bucks. Now, that was a long time ago, but still today, <clears throat> you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to get into biking. A lot of people think that hey, I got to have this expensive bike. I yeah. always say ride whatever you have or ride whatever you can afford. If it's $300, $400, $500, go buy a used bike. Google used bike store near me. There's tons of – I know a guy in town here. He takes in old bikes, rehabs them, and sells them for a real reasonable rate. So, And, and start there because you don't want to spend a lot of money and then find out, oh, I really don't want to do this, you know, right? It's like <laughs> yeah. anything else. Very true. You buy a Harley, you buy something smaller and work your way up to the Harley or whatever, right? See if you like to ride a motorcycle and feel comfortable doing it. Um, so start simple. Um, find some people that are knowledgeable to hang out with, network with, a group online. Most bike shops have groups of people that ride together. That's another thing you'll find out. So, And there's new people. I ride with new people and people that have been riding a long time all the time. I love educating people on what I do and giving tips like we're doing today. So. Yeah, I definitely yeah. want to hear more about like this the community that that you've been able to to tap into. Uh, you mentioned like traveling around the the country, and right. I'm sure you you do that with with some folks that you've met in this community. But yeah, the the choice you're kind of your it's analysis it's paralysis by analysis. Like you, oh, like, like oh, I, you know, I, I moved recently. I live on a you know by a river, and there's a nice paved trail that goes a couple miles up to the city and back. And I'm like, I would love to bike this. And I have a, an older bike and I'm like, you know, I, I, I want to get a newer bike, but there's so many choices. And like you said, you can, yeah. you can find stuff that's, you know, a couple thousand dollars or a couple hundred bucks, or you can get a, you know, a free junker on Facebook marketplace yeah, or whatever. I, so I think the other important thing know. is, is it going to the bike shop, even yeah. if you have an existing bike, the key is to make sure it fits you right. A lot of people hop on a bike and their legs are out like this because they're not fitted right. The seat's not the right height. The handlebars are not the right height. So if you do that and you go for a five-mile uh, five ride, your knees will hurt like, you know what, you'll never ride again. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the other reason to go to the bike shop. Get get a bike fit on your existing bike or whatever you're going to buy. Get a bike fit and you'll you'll use a lot less energy. You'll feel good. Your knees won't hurt. Your back won't hurt. 
And so that's another tip on start yeah, now. For sure. No, that that's great advice. I'm definitely going to do that at some point, especially when it gets starts to get a little warmer mm-hmm. and drier out here. Um, and, and I'm going to do that. So, I mean, how much do you spend at this point? You don't have to tell the exact dollar amounts, but I'm curious for someone that's, uh, I think you're, you're definitely past the level of like a hobbyist or like a weekend warrior. Things right. Like you do this more often than that. So uh, like I a serious like a cyclist. weekend warrior. That's how okay. I define myself. But, uh, you know, I don't race professionally. I, I race rides occasionally. I do a lot of rides around the country. This time of year, I'm planning with my cohort, like, where are we going to ride this year? What's a good trip to do? So setting a goal for this year, and we look online, see what events there are. So Mm. for me, investment per year, uh, it's not that high because I've invested a lot already, but yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know, I've bought bikes that were $1,000. I've bought bikes that were probably the most expensive was up around 7,000. You know, and and then somebody ran me into a tree and cracked the frame. <laughs> oh man! And then, and then I and I, the funny thing when that happened, I was out of work, so that really pissed me off. Because you know my mental state was not good already, and then I didn't have my bike to ride. <laughs> yeah, that's but, always the fear, right? You want to, yeah. at least for me, if I was going to do that, I would try to stay as far away from cars. Yeah, I've, been, I've, I've cracked three frames now over the years, um, and that's another tip: find a reputable brand of bike that will do what's called a crash replacement or give you a free frame if something happens to it like specialized who i had two of those bikes with they'll do what's called a crash replacement now they won't give it to you for free but you'll get it for a third of what a new one will cost but if you have an accident with it you'll get a crash replacement warranty which i did twice with them over the years and then salsa i my most recent bike i think i had it for 18 months and just recently i had eight thousand miles on it and I called him up and I said, hey, the paint's fading on this really bad. He goes, well, we have lifetime warranty. If you want us to, we'll give you a new frame. He sent me a brand new frame. And wow. that was a several thousand dollar bike. So I got a brand is new. That, is that newer. only if you buy it new or if you buy, if you buy a Yeah, that's a if you buy bike. it new. You got to buy it new. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but the bike before this, I bought used. I bought it on Facebook Marketplace from a guy in Tennessee. Um and that's another topic we, we talk about on a recent podcast. You know, do you buy mm-hmm. do you buy it online? Do you buy it at a bike shop? If you're new, again, the bike shop is going to be your best bet. If you're a veteran like me, you know the bike brands, you know the geometry. You've done a lot of research. Like my recent bike, I um, was looking for one for six months. I knew what I wanted. I wanted to get something to do more gravel, bike packing, something like a ride on the road occasionally. So I came up with Salsa. It makes something called a cutthroat. Actually, it was designed to ride what's called the Tour Divide, which goes from Banff, Canada, all the way to Mexico, like 3,000 miles. Wow. So, you know, I want to do more adventure riding, which takes me to probably my longest ride was to date is probably 330 miles in four days. I rode across uh, Maryland by myself in four days. Wow. And uh, we're planning a trip to ride across Pennsylvania this summer. It's got like 28,000 feet of climb. It's a big state. A lot of mountains. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, Get how many? I think it's four hundred miles in four so days. You ride through the Poconos? Uh, no, this is more central. We'll start in New York and ride south to Maryland, but still, uh, okay, okay, we're going through over a lot of mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I used to live in Pennsylvania and in, in Philadelphia, and we oh, really? That's where I grew up. I grew up, up in the Poconos near that 
Poconos. I was going to say, you know, from your accent, I was like, I think you're from Delco or <laughs> Nazareth, Pennsylvania, you know, home yeah. of Mario Andretti and Martin Guitar. That's where okay. I'm from. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So I was, I was spot on with my uh, accent detection. So <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah. So you said you did a 330 mile race in four days. It, it was, a, it was you... just decided to do it. I did the research. Yeah. I had my girlfriend dropped me off in West Virginia and I, and I rode each day. A couple of days I stayed at bed and breakfast. One night I camped. One night I stayed at my house because I was coming past my house halfway through the state. <laughs> sure, sure. And then the last day, I think I rode 104 miles from Northeast Maryland all the way down the other side of Chesapeake Bay to Lewis, Delaware. And that was a funny story. I ran out of water after 60 miles and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I'm going through these chicken farms. These trucks with chickens were almost passing me, running <laughs> me over. And I finally found this little restaurant in Delaware. I got some water. Thank God. I didn't think I was going to make it, but I made it. <laughs> so how do you how do you prepare for a race like that? Do you like build up to it? You know, yeah. how, how much time do you spend like mapping it out and physically I'm a and YouTube mentally junkie. preparing? I research for that? things. I'm very detail oriented. I like to research stuff. So you know, today online you can watch YouTube videos on anything, but. Typically, I'll I'll do the research, watch some other people that have ridden the area. Now, I mapped out the own my own ride in Maryland. I knew a lot of the roads, not all of them, but being from Maryland for a long time. But even that, I hit some unexpected things doing that trip. So you have to train. You know, I I ride typically three four days a week. I typically ride depending on the time of year, anywhere from seventy to one hundred fifty miles a week is typical what I ride. And last year, I, I signed up this time of year to ride something called Unbound in Kansas. So I, uh, you have to get in. What's a that lot. like? Yeah. Tell us about it's that. It's the largest gravel race in North America. So people come from all around the world to out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. They have these gravel roads, wide open spaces, you know, cattle running across the road, going through creeks. And you sign up and they have a 50, 100, and even a 350-mile gravel race that they race all night long through the night. Wow. No matter what, thunderstorms, lightning, whatever, you're out there riding. So I, I went in easy on the 50-mile. I think it took me three hours and so to do it. But it was one of the fastest rides I ever did. So I trained around here on, on a couple of mountains. It was a little hilly. But the thing is, there's really sharp gravel. A lot of people get flat tires. You got to change your own tire if you get a flat you know, to get to the finish, you have to hydrate. That's another thing. You have to learn to take in water and food while you're riding when you do these long rides so that yeah, you don't, yeah. what they call bonk or, you know, run out and cramp or anything like that. So there's a lot of science behind it. And again, just over years of experience of knowing what to do, I automatically drink every 10 minutes or, you know, I drink, uh, what is it? It's uh, 26 ounces every 15 miles. So, okay. You know, so there's some real I like 30 miles before I have to stop and refill uh, up, you know, or if okay. I do a long so trip, real math going. Yeah. I had there, like right? five <laughs> bottles of water so I could go 60 miles without stopping. Like I said, but then I ran out of water at 60 miles because there was no water to get. <laughs> That's true. This, this might be TMI, but are you peeing while you're still on the bike? No, or are you believe stopping it or not. You're, okay. sweat, you're sweating it out is what it is, especially in the summertime. Okay. It just goes out yeah. your pores. I mean, eventually you're going to stop at some point, but it's not like because you're over drinking, you're stopping more to go, but it pretty much sweats out of your pores. <laughs> okay. Because I, I have a buddy that does ultra marathons. Oh, yeah. He's crazy. told me that. 
people will just pee while they're yeah while they'll they're, do that you no, know I'll mid stop. stride <laughs> no you know <laughs> uh, yeah they'll only stop if they have to in a cornfield or something you know yeah yeah on. exactly yeah. Or in the in the mountains somewhere uh, I want to talk about the the mental aspect of that I mean obviously the physical fatigue is you know I'm sure a big issue with cramps and just dealing with everything, being on a bike for, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles at a time. Right. What is that mental aspect? Like, how do you, are you listening to music? Are you listening to a podcast, an audio book? I used, book? Like, I used two years focused? ago, I would have earbuds, but I found it unsafe, especially on the road. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, occasionally if I want to have an odd day, I'll stick my earbuds in, but now I ride on trails in the woods. I'll take my chances with the trees versus cars. Uh, you know, I broke five ribs on the right side a couple of years ago. This is a funny story. So my girlfriend's in the hospital, right? So I stayed overnight in the hospital. She said, go home and feed the cat. All right. September, 70 degrees. I go home, feed the cat. I'll go for a short ride. I didn't even get a football field from the house. I hit a pothole, flipped over my handlebars, oh, and broke no. <laughs> five ribs. I'm in a different hospital than she is. She was not happy when she got out of the hospital because I wasn't there to take care of her. I'm in another hospital with five broken ribs. <laughs> Yeah, that that, so, <laughs> that might be a deal breaker. <laughs> but but back to your question about it is mental when you get in these longer rides. I typically ride 30 40 miles on a clip most days when I'm riding. But if I'm doing 60 50 or I'm doing a race even with unbound, that's non-stop 50 miles. You're going as fast as you can. So you have to be drinking, you have to So I practiced last year being down in my drops because I knew it was going to be windy out there and that helped me a lot. So I, I knew what the circumstances were going to be the race and I practiced it for six months to get in shape. Um, actually, my co-host on the podcast, Hank, was my first coach to my first 100-mile bike ride, which we did around Lake Tahoe. Uh, so we did it with team in that training. That must have been so beautiful. That, oh, that area gorgeous. is just gorgeous. So, yeah. you know, we raised, I had to raise like 5,000 miles and, and then I got a free trip out to Tahoe. But I met Hank. He was like a coach that we worked with for, I think, five months. So we were training. I had never done 100 miles. I don't think I did more than 50. So there I was. I was eating jelly beans. <laughs> right <laughs> That was my nutrition back then. But, you know, learn how to drink and, and train and ride. But back to your question about mental, I mean, it goes back to why I ride uh, meditation. I, I always joke, I ride to eat. You know, I like to eat good food. So riding, sure, sure. if you're exercising, you can eat better. You know, you still want to eat healthy, obviously. But um, the other reasons I ride is my back is screwed up because I had a motorcycle. I've only ever been to the hospital twice in my life. Once with the five broken ribs. And once when I was 26, I came home from Bermuda and my brother gave me his rocket ship motorcycle. I went for a ride. I went over the handlebars of that 116 miles an hour, oh, rolled wow. down the highway. Didn't break anything, but lost a lot of skin. So I always had a bad back for a while. I went to a chiropractor for years, but I found, this is really interesting. This summer I was riding with two doctors from North Carolina. They were up here riding on the CNOs, friends of mine. And one was a back surgeon. I didn't know him, but I did after the trip. And I said, hey, why is it that when I ride my bike, my back doesn't hurt? But if I don't ride for three weeks, I get nasty, my back hurts. Tightens up. Yeah. yeah. He says it's because the endorphins from riding a bike stimulate the muscle, the growth around your spine, and it strengthens it. If you don't ride, you're not getting those endorphins. It's not strengthening the muscles around your spine, and you're going to have issues. So, you know, people with back issues, which are a lot of Americans these days, 
Um, yeah. Bike riding can be really good for you. And bike riding is also good for runners that can't run anymore. They got knee issues or other issues. It's less, you know, my girlfriend's a runner. I can't run a mile. I could ride a hundred, but I won't. I hate wow. <laughs> running a mile. I can't even run a mile. She's a marathon runner. She's done like 10 marathons. But anyway, uh, so the point is, it's good for you, even if you have certain injuries. And even after the five broken ribs, I think I was off the bike longest ever. It was three months, maybe. It took me about six months to heal them to grow back because I busted them all apart. Mm. Uh, my first ride was at Gettysburg Battlefield in February, and it was covered with ice. <laughs> So that's how right you're, my you're a risk taker. Yeah. <laughs> I always joke if I'm going to fall again, I have to fall to the left, right? So I don't break the right <laughs> side. Um, anyway. But how do you, yeah, how do you occupy your mind for, you said the meditation? Are you just, I just you know, in I, your own head? Like Part of the reason, like I said, I like riding in the woods or on a trail anymore versus the road. The roads become very dangerous. I know a lot of people have been killed mm -hmm. on the roads because people texting, they weren't doing that. Yeah, 10 years yeah. ago, 15 years ago, as much. But, you know, in where I ride, I see deer, I see blue heron, I see bald eagles, I see foxes run through the woods. I'm riding along a beautiful river. It's just so peaceful. Uh, I lost my mom about eight years ago. And I think of my mom, and when I think of her, I see a hawk every time. So there'll be a red-tailed hawk will be cruising in the woods right next to me or coming over top of me within two minutes of thinking of her. So she's my... You know, there's, there's a serious connection. And I had a great relationship with my mom. I think that's part of it. I have a really strong connection mm -hmm. with her. And she shows up when I think of her. But it's just so calming. Um, you feel good. You know, some days are better than others. Some days you're like, yeah. oh, I, don't, I don't feel that great today. <laughs> I feel like I'm working really hard to go 10 miles, you know. And other days, I don't even think about it. I always say I take 15 miles just to warm up. It takes me a while <laughs> to get into that groove. But once I hit 10, 15 miles... I don't even, I'm not even thinking about my legs. I'm just looking at the environment. I'm relaxing. You know, the other thing is I usually ride by myself most times, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, occasionally I do rides with other groups around the area, or if I go to an event, I'm riding with a big group. Or I, you know, a buddy of mine, we've done bikepacking trips. We went down to West Virginia last year. We saw a black bear or riding along the trail in West Virginia. Um, so it's, it's just, and I think, What's cool about bike riding, it's, I could say it's about the, my latest bike is, you know, I named it, um, I think it was Vigatero, which in Italian okay. means adventurer. So it's all about yeah. the adventure. It's not, a, mm -hmm. it's not about the destination, even though you set a destination. It's about what happens along the way, um, the people you meet, the places you go. That's the beauty about bike riding. I've met so many cool people traveling the world. I've done bike rides in... San Diego, I did a, um, I think when I was 50, I did a ride for diabetes. You, you do rides to raise money for different causes, which is cool. Oh, I got really lost cool. in a polo grounds in, 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 out by Torrey Pines, a famous golf course. <laughs> but I got off track and I ended up being in a polo ground with horses. I'm like, I'm lost. <laughs> that must so, have been fun, at least. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. So I, I've done, one of my goals is to do a bike ride race in every state before I die. I, I think I'm probably three quarters of the way there. So okay. I'm always looking for new places to ride, new adventures. Um, you know, I did a ride. This is a funny story. I did a ride with my friend Hank, and and it was his idea to do a, a bike packing trip. And get this, he's never done a bike packing trip where you load all your gear, you camp. So we're yeah, going to yeah. camp overnight in the Smoky Mountains 
So this is crazy. We set out. This is in, in Tennessee, right? In Tennessee. Tennessee. Actually, it was in North Carolina. We started, we went into Tennessee where the Smokies are. We're riding for like 11 hours. We haven't seen a person all day. We finally come down a mountain. We found one store hoping they'd have sandwiches. They didn't even have sandwiches. So like we were SOL and lunch for, for that. <laughs> so four o'clock in the afternoon, we come down the mountain. There's like 4,000 rafters in some river in this little town. We did, we did get a sandwich. Then we take off up another mountain to climb. We are climbing and climbing. And like we're like, we don't know how far is it to where we're going to this campground on top of the next mountain? So we finally see a UPS truck driver out in the middle of nowhere, come down a gravel road. And say, hey, do you know where this campground is? He goes, that's over the next ridge, and I think mm-hmm. it's closed because of the bears. I'm like, <laughs> and then my buddy Hake's like, are you kidding me? Now what are we going to do? We, our car's like the next state over. <laughs> so a little while later, I said, calm down, we'll get there. Don't worry. You know, I'm the I'm the Easy going person. Yeah. He's you're freaking the even out. Guy. He's freaking out. And then, here's this lady walking down. I think she was out for a jog or so. We said, How are you doing today? Hey, we're trying to get here. What do we do for a night? Any suggestions? Well, if you guys want to camp in my front yard, that's fine. So she let us set up camp in her front yard. Next thing you know, it's like seven o'clock at night. We've been riding for 11 hours. And all her neighbors, her brother, her uncle, the whole neighbors in the holler are all coming down to see us. Her one, I think her brother was a volunteer firefighter. So by 10 o'clock, I mean, they probably night, don't get many visitors at that point, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that- With these crazy guys out in the middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> she was actually a, a ER, what do you call it? Like the shock trauma nurse from Johnsonville, Tennessee. Okay. But anyway, long story short, they ended up driving us over two mountain ranges at 10 o'clock at night to get our car. Then we drove our cars back to their house. I think we got in at one in the morning. We camped. And we got out of that situation. So there was a case. We never made our destination, but it was all about this crazy trip of, of trying to get to where we wanted to go to camp, which we never yeah, did. That sounds like a lot of fun. There's a couple <laughs> things I wanted to ask about. I mean, Shoot. you talked about, um, you know, the meditation, the the aspect of riding through nature and things yep. like that. Like, are, is it, does it feel like a spiritual experience? I don't know if you're a spiritual person, but does it feel like a spiritual experience oh, yeah. when you're riding? You Definitely. Know, and again, every day is different. You know, I, I ride all year round. You know, I ride in the cold. I've learned if you have the right gear, you can ride anywhere, any time of year. I, 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 I hate the cold, actually. But if you ride the right gear, you have merino wool, good socks, good jersey and stuff. But even I'll ride the CNO Trail all year round it's different every time i go out like sometimes i'll see deer everywhere i was out the other day i didn't see a deer all day so but you know springtime the flowers are coming up snow i've ridden in the snow out along the river it's just beautiful um so it's it no matter what it is even on a bad day even i don't feel good i feel great i always feel better after I do a ride, you know, some days I'll ride early in the morning, depending on the year. Some days I'll ride at lunchtime. Some days I'll ride late at night, depending on temperature, what it's like, trying to avoid the rain. Occasionally I'll ride in the rain. But uh, I've ridden in Vermont in a pouring rainstorm. I've ridden other places in pouring rain and had fun. <laughs> it's just like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's just cool. But it's... Uh, Good for the mind, good for the heart, good for the soul, good for your body. I, I can't find anything bad about bike riding. It's always been good to me. I, I always said, I'll, I'll ride till as long as I can. You know, it, it, cycling is know. definitely a spiritual thing for your mind, head, mind, body, all the way around, in my opinion. Um, again, if you 
if you're getting into it, make sure you get your bike set up right. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, find people that are knowledgeable nearby you and hang out with them mm-hmm. virtually or in person. Generally, I've never, I haven't found many cyclists that are nasty, bad people. They're usually really nice people. Most of them want to help you with knowledge, uh, whether they've been doing it for years or they're just starting even. I always have. And, and I'm like a sponge. Yeah. I'm always asking a million questions about how do you do this or where do you get that or whatever. Yeah, it seems like a really welcoming community. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the the biggest challenge or hurdle that you've had to overcome in one of these like longer endurance races? Was it mechanical, physical, mental? Uh, longest. Um, you know, I've had long rides I did in the summer that were races and I cramped up and I was laying along the road screaming because my, both my legs were <laughs> knots. It was like somebody stopped and read my legs and got me back on the bike and going, you know, that's not fun when that happens to you. Um, I did a ride in Texas uh, with Lance Armstrong once. Same thing. I laid down and, and somebody else was laying there too. And there were fire ants along the, in the ground biting oh, no. <laughs> the heck out of you. Oh my God. That was nasty. Um, but generally, I, I don't think I really had a really bad. I mean, when I did the bike across Maryland, that was very mental. It, you know, you're tired because you're riding and you're And my friend told me he's a ultra cyclist and ultra marathon runner. He says, just remember, Blaze, keep pedaling. <laughs> Doesn't matter what. Okay. Just keep pedaling. <laughs> I had that in my head the whole time I was riding across the state, whether I was climbing up a big mountain or, or tired or hungry or whatever keep pedaling <laughs> yeah that's that sounds like a mantra, a mantra just keep repeating you, you know <laughs> and you'll get through it and and that's the thing i think if you talk to anybody that does long races or rides some of these long like the, i mentioned the one in kansas they do 350 miles some people don't finish it you know they get a flat tire or mechanical and they're stuck you know at a gas station but mm-hmm. the guys that do even the senior racers these professional you get professionals go out there and try to do this race it's so it's they say it's 80 percent mental and they all go through a dark place for a while and then you come out of it so like if you just keep going you'll come out of that dark place whether it's pain uh, mental pain you're sitting there crying what the heck am i doing here doing this you know mm-hmm. and then five miles down the road the sun will come out and you'll feel better you know it's just like yeah yeah it's like life. So what is, <laughs> yeah, right. You just put your head down keep and, going, and power through it. Away. Uh, keep yeah. pedaling. That's a, you should just get, did a bunch of t-shirts. <laughs> exactly. keep pedaling. Uh, you mentioned that you wanted to do a race uh, in every state. Mm-hmm. Is there one in particular that you haven't done that you're like one day, you know, it's a kind of a bucket list. Like I want to do this one because of, you know, the scenery or, yeah. or whatever it is. I, I want to ride what's called the Dolomite region in Northern Italy. So there's this, there's oh, this. Okay. Uh, I think it has sixty switchbacks that go like this all the way up the mountain, and it's it's a huge climb. I think the biggest mountain I ever did or climb was in Colorado. I did this like four years ago. I went out there for two weeks. My cousins there stayed, and I met up with somebody I met on Facebook, uh, my friend, and she said, "Hey, why don't you stick around? We're going to ride Mount Evans, which is fourteen thousand feet, right?" I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. You know, I was like, okay. And you got to get climatized to the altitude. So I think it was the second last day before I left. I was there two weeks. 
and I actually beat them to the top. But it, we started at 6,500, 7,000 feet in Evergreen, and we went up 6,600 feet in 33 miles uh, to the wow. top of that 14,000. And there was snow, you know, at the top. This is in July. There's snow up on top of the mountain. There's wind. And uh, it was the same thing, just keep pedaling. You know, it was like really slow going most of the way, but I made it up. And you know what? Going up wasn't the hard part. The hard part was actually coming down because when you got up, we started, it was like 75, mm -hmm. 80 degrees. We got to the top like three hours later, I guess. And it was 40 degrees with a 30 mile hour wind. And, wow. and I had my <laughs> wide wheels. So I'm up there. Thank God she told me to bring a vest and a jacket, which we put on the top. There's mountain goats up there and all these tourists. So I start down the mountain and, you know, there's no guardrails. You, know, you go off the edge, you're like history. But yeah, I'm riding in this 30 mile hour wind. I'm freezing my butt off and I'm hugging the yellow line. There's cars coming at me, coming up. Like the first five miles was a little dicey getting down. And then halfway down the mountain, we saw a guy that passed out because of the altitude and just on the, he was laid out in the middle of the road. No cell signal. We couldn't even call an ambulance. So like I had to drive down the mountain before I get a signal and call an ambulance to go get him. But uh, so like, yeah, stuff like that happens, but you get through it and Mm -hmm. It's stuck in my mind forever, that ride. Just like the ride in Tennessee, you get lost in the middle of nowhere. I'll never forget it, you know? So that's that's a hell of an experience. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. Call it a bucket list ride. So, yeah. One thing I'm curious about also is um, what's your recovery process like? Like, how do you, what steps do you take? Maybe not on the yeah. daily, but if you really push yourself, how do you recover from? That fifteen hundred mile ride. That's that's a good topic. Uh and you learn more about this as you ride more. You know, I I use several things when I'm riding. I have a hydration mix in my water that puts electrolytes and salt into your body. Summertime I take salt tablets, sodium, because you sweat out sodium out of your body. See, mm -hmm. that's what causes cramping. And then afterward you can take what's called a recovery drink, which puts those nutrition back in your body after you wipe you know empty yourself out on a long ride or in the heat um and then you know my girlfriend's a certified yoga instructor i don't do yoga as much as i should but doing yoga walking doing other things to stretch your body out you usually want to give yourself after a hard event like that you got to eat usually within an hour after the ride make sure you replenish your body and then I'm usually starving the day after a ride. I do a long ride and I mm -hmm. go eat a horse the next day. But um, you just got to take it easy for a couple of days. But I've done long rides, like the four-day ride across Maryland. I rode, I think, about 75 miles each day and 100 miles the fourth day. And I felt great. At the end of the ride, I was like, cool. Because I hydrated, I drank, I ate along the way what are you eating while you're on the the bike oh, yeah i, I, I eat, to ask about this i eat uh, like a cliff shot gel block which again has nutrients okay. sodium electrolytes and i'll stop and eat a cheesesteak you know on a ride like that it'll just, i'll wolf <laughs> down a hoagie or something and you can eat a lot because you're burning like three thousand calories on a day like that you're just burning calories you have to so it's it's a science. I'm not a scientist. I'm not even a numbers guy. So it's a matter of taking in the right amount of calories for how much you're burning that energy. So you read about it, you learn about it, you figure it out after time. That's the trick. Okay. To not 
So you're, yeah, I've thought you would just be eating like Cliff bars no, and protein no. bars and things like that. You're just I'm, I'm, stop and get a hobby. Yeah, I yeah. like it. <laughs> a lot of times I'll ride to a destination, have a good hamburger or, something, or breakfast or whatever. I'll ride 15, 20 miles, have a sandwich, and ride home. You know. There you so, go. I love yeah. it. Uh, so you you've talked about this, or you've hinted and kind of mentioned this a few times. Was the uh, you know the relationships that you've built, the community? You mentioned a few folks you met, you know, on Facebook. Right. Uh, that you've raced with, what's that community like? And, you know, is there a, a story you could share about, you know, someone that you've just met on the internet and you had a great experience with or, or something like well, that? Well, that one about climbing up that mountain, like I said, that was a bucket list ride. Now we're good friends on Facebook. I, I was out in Colorado this year, about three days after that. And I hooked up with her and said hi again. Um, my friends from North Carolina, Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina. You know, I've been friends with them for like three years. And then last year, we finally decided to get together in Virginia and do a weekend bike trip with, a, I think there were like six or eight of us. Had a great time. And then they, I said, when are you coming up north to do the CNO? So this summer, they were up here and I rode with them a couple of days. So like, you know, you meet new people. One of their friends, one of the doctors, they're from North Carolina. And then they live in... Puerto Rico part of the year. I'd love to go to Puerto Rico oh, and go ride sometimes. Yeah, so you, know, you connect, you connect with these people like <laughs> Laura and Robert in South Carolina. I'll go down this year and do a gravel race in South Carolina and hang out with them. You know, so it, it, it's cool. I, I my girlfriend's from Massachusetts, so I go up there. We're going up there for the ho- for the holidays. I'll take my bike. I'll ride in Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire. I have a friend from Vermont who's actually grew up here where I'm from. He's coming down next week. I met him on a gravel team that I did a the race in uh, Kansas this summer, and now we're good friends. When he comes to see his mom, we'll go ride here on the trail. Or if I go to Vermont to my girlfriend's parents, we'll ride in Vermont when I go up there. So you make these connections, and it gives you this, mm-hmm. oh, I can't wait to go somewhere new. Show me some new places to ride and hang out with somebody that you met, whether it's Facebook or virtually yeah. or whatever. So. That's really cool. I, I know it's it's hard to make friends and connections, you know, mm-hmm. the, the older you get and when you're and just, you know, after college, it's like, how am I going to make friends? It sounds like you've got that problem figured out. Oh, yeah, out, yeah. Uh, it's it's your... fun. I mean, when you go to a new event, like when I was in Kansas, I was there for four days this year. It's a really cool event. You have all the cycling companies are there with tents for like four days. I think there were 7,000 riders from all around the world there. So. And all the podcasters, all the YouTubers that cover cycling and races, they were all there. So you get interviewed with people. You meet these professional bike racers and stuff in the flesh. So that's really fun to me to go meet some Mm -hmm. of your heroes and people that you follow online and stuff all the time. It's cool. And you mentioned your your co-host was a connection that you made through, you know, the cycling community and was your coach. Can you tell us about your show? What do you, yeah. I mean, the, the name is Bourbon Bikes and yeah. Business. So, so, but tell us more about that. A couple that. months ago, Hank and I, we've been riding for years, 15 years now, and we live maybe about 20 minutes from each other. And uh, we don't ride together all the time, but several times a year we do what he calls his birthday ride. We always go somewhere. I call it Adventures with Hank because every time we go out, he gets a flat tire or we get stranded somewhere or in the Smoky Mountains or whatever. So, another adventure with Hank. Anyway, he's a corporate lawyer. Um, and we're riding in Lancaster. We were doing his birthday ride. I think it was early, late October it was, in Amish country. And we're riding along. He goes, hey, what do you think about doing a podcast? You know, we've been together for years. We're always yakking about stuff. And I was like, that sounds cool. Because 
Now, I do health insurance, so I'm on Zoom all the time. And I'm a photographer, by the way, too. I'm a photographer. But I said I need to up my studio game. So this will give me a reason to go buy a mess of equipment, right? So yeah, <laughs> I said, cool, what are we going to call it? He goes, well, yeah, we can talk about we're both small business people. We love to ride bikes. And we both like drinking bourbon. So how about bourbon, bikes, and business? That sounds cool. So I said, well, I love the alliteration. We'll, we'll do the show. We'll have that. a sip of bourbon. <laughs> talk about what we're bourbon. What's good about this? Where you found it? And then we'll talk a topic on bicycling for a veteran or a beginner. And then at the end, we give a tip for a self-employed small business owner because a lot of people are leaving corporate America by the droves wanting to do their own thing these days since COVID. So help you with marketing mm -hmm. tips, you know, how to find business, things like that. So that's how we did it. And uh, we're having a blast. It's just a lot of fun. I don't think we'll ever run out of content yeah, sounds great. With, with all the years of cycling <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you've got a, a, an endless list of, of things to talk about, especially if you're continuing to, to do new races and you're riding every day. And I'm sure you're having all kinds of experiences like that. So where, where can folks find your, so uh, your we're podcast? on every podcast, the most all of them, Deezer, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, uh, all the big ones. And then at bourbon bikes and business. And then I post the, the uh, podcast and he, I give him the video and he posted to YouTube. So you can find us on YouTube under bourbon bikes and business as well. Mm -hmm. So if you check and are you on, on social media on Twitter or X or uh, Instagram? I, I'm on, yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at blaze health coverage. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. It's probably the best place at blaze Nealon. It's B L A I S E N E A L O N. Um, and then on Strava, if you want to follow my cycling adventures, uh, you can find me at Blaze yeah, at the Cycling go. Advisor on Strava. You can see where I'm riding next week. Uh, what else? So that's the one where it it, it uh, you can draw the map. Yeah, it, it tracks map, your, it how fast your you're ride. going, where you're riding, all uh -huh. that. So you can see everywhere I've ridden ever on there. But um, if you look at our latest episode six that we did last week. Um, we decided we'd do tips for our favorite, your favorite bourbon drinker, some gifts for Christmas. And then I have a long list of links online for shopping for bikes, new and used, for apparel, for shoes, for anything in general outdoors, even if you have a significant other that's into yoga, mountain climbing, runner. Uh, I've got some really good tips and some discounts on on top of the regular okay. prices. So, you know, again, I've been doing this Very for cool. years, shopping online, always looking for new places. So I'm giving out my favorite places that I shop online. I, I like good stuff, but I, I'm always looking for a deal, you know? Mm -hmm. So check that yeah, out. Yeah, you've this has been this has been very inspiring. I feel like I want to <laughs> hop on my bike and go ride by the river. Um, you know, maybe not uh, maybe not 20, 30, 40 miles, but you know, start with nice one or little... two, like I said earlier. <laughs> and, and next thing you know, you'll be running yeah. 20 or 30 in no time. It's just go gradual. Yeah, I think I was doing, you know, when uh last summer, you know, I would do between like five to seven. Yeah. You know, which I think is not not bad, right? For a, an my amateur. girlfriend, will ride ten or fifteen. <laughs> that's about all she could take. You know, so okay. But I, I don't Very mind. Cool. I'll slow down and enjoy the scenery. Ride with her occasionally. She's usually out running when I'm riding, but she'll ride occasionally with me once in a while. Well, I really appreciate you having right. me on the show today. It's been great. Colette. Yeah, of course.
Yeah. Thank you so much for your insight. Uh, you know, I'm sure we could talk for hours and hours about all your adventures, but, um, you know, best of luck to you out there. Stay safe. Thanks. Yeah. You uh, too. Avoid those cars. <laughs> uh, make sure yeah, keep your, your left ribs uh, right. intact. Yeah. <laughs> Stay healthy. Have a great holiday. Yeah, you too. And thank you all to our listeners. Make sure you leave us a review and subscribe. We are listening to this podcast. Make sure to check us out on all the major social media platforms at 4040 Vision Pod. Thanks, everybody. Hey, Thanks, Blaze. Take Blaise. care.